Hello, it's Friday the 4th of December. My name's John Dennis. A week ago, Tiger Woods crashed his SUV into a fire hydrant outside his home in Florida, triggering a media storm over alleged extramarital affairs that shows no sign of abating. After pulling out of a charity tournament, he issued a statement apologising to his family. Today, we ask how it will affect the world's most successful sportsman. How badly does being seen as a little bit of a bad boy ever affect a sportsman's image? It certainly never did Beckham any harm. And what do Woodsy's fans think? He's sort of a hero to me, and I know he is human, but I still feel bad. I wanted him to be better than that. With me to discuss the affair, or the series of affairs as the case may be, is our sports editor Ian Pryor and media editor Jane Martinson. But first, let's establish the facts. The crisis started last week when the National Enquirer carried allegations of an extramarital affair with a nightclub hostess, Rachel Uchitel. Then last Friday, in the middle of the night, Woods crashed his car outside his home in Florida. Worth, correct? Yes, Windermere, Florida, in our subdivision. What happened? What's wrong? I have my neighbor. He hit the tree, and we came out here just to see what was going on. I see him, and he's laying down. By hit a tree, do you mean it was an auto accident? Yes, there was an auto accident, yes. Okay. Is he outside or inside his car? Uh, Is he unconscious? Yes. Okay, are you able to tell if he's breathing? Uh, No, I can't tell right now. Okay. What happened? He refused to talk to the police for three days after the accident, but on Tuesday he was fined $164, £100, for dangerous driving. The Florida Highway Patrol has concluded its investigation of the vehicle crash involving Mr. Tiger Woods. The investigation has determined that Mr. Woods is at fault in the crash. This afternoon, FHP is in the process of issuing a uniform traffic citation for careless driving to Mr. Woods. On Wednesday, another magazine carried allegations of another affair, this time with a cocktail waitress, Jamie Grubbs. Does, does Tiger live two lives? Have you spoken with Tiger? Hours later, Tiger Woods issued an extraordinary statement expressing his contrition for letting his family down. I regret those transgressions with all my heart. I have not been true to my values and the behaviour my family deserves. I am not without faults and I am far short of perfect I'm dealing with my behavior and personal feelings behind closed doors with my family. Those feelings should be shared by us alone. Ian, why has there been such a media fixation on this scandal or not scandal involving Tiger Woods? I guess it's because the best media scandals are always the people who up to the point of their shame, have, have been, you know, have had very, very clean-cut images, have been the most intensely private of people and the, and the ones who guard their privacy almost relentlessly in Tiger Woods' cases. I mean, they're always the most fun when they, when they trip up. Um, but even beyond that, I mean, had, had Woods been a, had a history of a hellraiser, I think it would still, it would still be a great story. Um, he's, you know, the world's first billionaire athlete, according to, uh, according to Forbes magazine. Um, he's easily the best golfer we've seen in the last you know 30 years um and he's got this kind of relentlessly expansive commercial portfolio as well he's the the face of a thousand billboards you know so many endorsements um there's just he's got a long way to fall and i think that's what makes a scandal jane would you agree with that i would although 
I sort of think it does make a difference that he's got that. In your your original point about, you know, he's seen as the perfect role model. Um, and there's something really weird about just because somebody's really good at golf and we don't see him falling out of nightclubs a lot, we imbue them with this great moral authority. So they live this sort of seemingly perfect life with, you know, brilliant at sport, lots of money, beautiful wife, lovely children. And then... It, you sort of hold them up and the minute there is a transgression, it is a complete media feeding frenzy with, you know, every single news outlet around the world feeding off of this story. So I think there is that difference. There is that sort of how the mighty have fallen. And I mean, if you I was, we're thinking about all the other examples. So, you know, David Beckham, I mean, wasn't actually seen as an angel or particularly well behaved on the pitch, but his family life, his home life was seen as beyond reproach. The Rebecca Luce thing sort of punctured that and I mean in terms of PR handling it's quite interesting to see how you know sportsmen in that situation deal with it but the PR hasn't been handled very well in this case no no hasn't been handled well at all and I mean funnily enough you know that whole thing about him sort of he he guards his privacy religiously but still employs phalanxes of these sorts of um I mean we we're doing a, a there's a column on Monday in the media section um, talking about the PR handling and how actually he's uh, got this sort of super attorney, um, uh, Mark Najame, I think you say, I'm entirely sure, who's like the sort of Johnny Cochrane of today, um, which is a very different role to that that we have here with celebrities, you know, in sort of well, Gordon Ramsay with his thing, you know, the, that sort of Max Clifford come super, super hot shot attorney who then goes in and manages it. Um, but, you know, not actually managing it that well so far. What about the statement? Because this is an extraordinary statement, Ian, wasn't it, in terms of the language and, and the sort of appeal for the moral high ground again? It, it was really weird. And, it, and again, you know, it could only have come from someone who's, who's spent that long and, and put so much resource into building this image, this image of perfection around himself. You know, um, it, it felt almost like, you know, an archbishop's resignation letter or something, you know. He did have that sort of, you know, he talked about sinning and transgression. He did use sort of quasi-religious language. And, you know, to all to all the many millions of fans who follow me, I profoundly apologise. Like, why why do you need to apologise to all those fans? They, they like you for your golf. Well, you know, I think we probably possibly do need to uh, apologise to them. He has disappointed some of them. Um, let's hear what some of the fans have been saying on some blogs. I just feel bad. He's sort of a hero to me, and I know he is human, but I still feel bad. I wanted him to be better than that. Tiger never had a problem finding the camera in the room when it benefited him financially. He has sold the golf and sports world this squeaky clean, loving family man image, and that has made him hundreds of millions in endorsements. With that kind of money comes huge responsibilities. Tiger failed miserably. Tiger's a professional golfer and a marketing guru who's used his agent to create a squeaky clean image. That well-crafted image makes him about five times a year more than his on-course winnings and has made him the wealthiest athlete in all sports. He can't use his public image to demand huge endorsements and then expect to keep himself out of the public eye. Tiger Woods owes us nothing. No comment, no explanation, and anyone who thinks so is stupid. The only people he owes anything to is his family. Why the media would cover something so silly is beyond me. I think the fourth estate has quit reporting news and concerns itself with gossip. The fault lays with everyone because the majority of the people love to watch their heroes be destroyed. From guardian.co.uk, this is Guardian Daily. Ian, Tiger Woods hasn't always had the warmest relationship with his fans, though, has he? He's been a rather remote figure. 
Extremely so. When, when he was first coming upon the scene as a 17-year-old oh, or an 18-year-old, he granted one interview to GQ magazine, very relaxed, very laid back, invited them into his inner sanctum and told some pretty off-colour jokes, um, which the interviewer committed to memory and um, spread around the world. And he, and, he, and he was kind of profoundly shocked by the reaction to it. And from that day, you know, from that day forward as a, as a teenager, he's never done a major interview like that again. The interviews he has done has been under very, very guarded circumstances with only select patsies, shall we call them, you know, um, you know no better than to ask any difficult questions. Um, and it, it, it really scarred him as a, as a young man and he, and he was also leaned heavily upon by his kind of commercial advisors that that can't happen again. We've, you know, you're such a valuable brand and we don't want anything across the line on that. That's the sort of the hypocrisy in a way, isn't it? That you have these celebrities who manage their persona and they're sort of, I mean, and okay, you know, everyone does have the right to privacy and his speech today with all these very emotive things about that's the reality of living with these sort of scumbag journalists. And I'm sure, I am sure that he is being subjected to some pre- pretty horrible things. But there's also that sort of irony of saying, um, on the one hand, you know, I totally protect my privacy but I'm also going to sell you a manufactured version of my life in order to make myself commercially more yeah, exciting. When his children exciting. were born he, he released photographs of his happy family to the press perfectly yeah. innocuous in a sense. Then they sort of throw up their hands in utter horror when there's some suggestion that they that might not be the whole truth and, and that we want to find out more about it given that we have swallowed the previous 10 years um, of media spun lines and then they say how can you want to know more about me this is outrageous and you think well then don't sell that whole version of reality that you just well, have. what about his, his ability now to, to sell uh, the version of reality that he's been doing I mean he's, he's his commercial endorsements uh, I mean estimates vary but we're talking you know possibly a hundred million a year or something like that a hundred million dollars a year from commercial endorsements he, he endorses where is it Gillette yeah Gillette <laughs> Nike, Buick Rendezvous SUV may not be uh, endorsing SUVs in the future. I believe there's a contact lenses firm in there somewhere. (laughs) A lot of them come out today and said um, they back him, haven't they? They're sort of made tentative. But there has been damage to his image, undoubtedly, hasn't there? There's been damage to his image, but but how badly does being seen as a little bit of a bad boy ever affect a sportsman's image? It certainly never does Beckham any harm. (laughs) um, Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry, well... Slightly That's a different. bit different. He hasn't, che- he hasn't cheated on the golf course yet, has he? What about um, his delay in making a statement? I mean, it, was it too little too late? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think any media, um, you know, no sort of PR specialist out there is going, oh, yeah, that's definitely the way to do it. I mean, you don't leave it five days, then come out with a statement ahead of, we think that the um, one of the women involved potentially selling her side of the, you know, the, the first one selling her side of the story. It just all looks too little, too late and very badly managed. I think you had one chance in the PR stakes and it's, it's the one strategy almost no PR will ever advise. Front up straight away and tell yeah. the truth and yeah. get yourself in the front foot and, you know, own the story, own the response. Oh, so of course, Beckham didn't do that. I mean, it's quite interesting. You look at David Beckham, you look at Gordon Ramsay and even, I mean, uh, so they're the sort of alleged sexual transgressions Mm -hmm. they actually do there is an argument and it does work in certain cases where they say this is very much a private matter this is between me and my wife and I don't really want to talk about this to everyone and I think if you say that quickly enough then I think people sort of you have to let the lie as opposed to Henri who because it's a professional uh 
transgression has very quickly because he realized how damaging it was to his brand was trying to say no no we want the rerun I, you know it mm. was it was not my fault it was the referee but i mean and he's, he's being judged very harshly isn't he because it could have said that at the time really <laughs> um, what about the effect on his game? Because he's pulled out of a charity tournament this week, the Chevron World Challenge, which he hosts and which benefits his charitable foundation. And uh, he, the reason he gave was the injuries sustained in his car crash, cuts and bruises. But Ian, he's won. This is a man who's won the US Open with a broken leg. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to predict there'll be any long term effect on, on his game, really. Though it is interesting. I mean, the Tiger was up three years ago. Um, was a lot more formidable on a golf course than the Tiger Woods of now. A lot of people who watch him closely I think he's been on not not a slight as such, still the world's best golfer, but but certainly not the kind of unbeatable, untouchable one who you know scared all opponents straight off the course that he was before. He's he's slowly coming back to everyone else's level. He's been too busy doing other things, obviously. Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and Jane, if you were an image consultant, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's sort of hiding away in his castle at the moment, but I mean, when would you sort of advise him to go back into the public eye? It's, I mean, that's part of the problem, isn't it, being a journalist and not an image consultant, because you sort of think you should have done that immediately. I can't see any um, benefit. And I'm also quite wary of advising someone like Tiger Woods, who's had this unbeatable records in image management um over this length of time his entire career um but you know he is going to have to come out i mean i can't quite see him on oprah um but there's you know there's going to have to be some shift in some direction to show if he is going to say the sort of i'm not going to talk about the details because that's a personal matter but i am going to talk about how i am human and i have failed and i'm you know keen to talk about that I don't know. I mean, you know, it didn't help with um, Mel Gibson, but then he was a very different character. <laughs> well, ultimately, the personal cost could far outweigh any other kind of financial hit or, or effect I on mean, his I career. I don't want you know, to, to be cynical about this. And I think um, PR uh, experts like Howard Rubenstein in the States said this today. Uh, commercially, you know, the den, as, as Ian said, you know, bad boy sportsman has a roving eye, you know, doesn't have that same... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. His first interview with, with GQ. He's not Jerry Falwell at the end. Well, of the his day, you his know, fan base are not typically women, are they? I mean, a, a lot of women do support him. I know, but I mean, he's if you talk about golf's fans, <laughs> Tiger Woods' fans, they're a lot of men, aren't they? Thinking he has the perfect life. If you look at all his major endorsements, from particularly the kind of Tiger, Accenture, yeah, they sell G- to men. Gillette, they're, they're they're not selling to women. Yeah. So commercially, I mean, you know. It, it's not going to hurt him as much as, say, he doesn't win another game. That would hurt him much more. Jane Martinson, Ian Pryor, many thanks for talking to us. Guardian Daily was produced today by Pascal Wise and Andy Duckworth. My name's John Dennis. Thanks for listening. Listener.